celebrate World Menopause Day, I had the pleasure of interviewing Sarah Connor, the founder of Menopause Over Martinis, the dinner party where the conversation of the night is menopause. Menopause Over Martinis is officially one year old. What a great way to celebrate Sarah's milestone. Tune in to hear Sarah's personal story through the menopause transition and how she's become an accidental advocate and passionate campaigner for change when it comes to women's health and well-being in midlife. You can tap into Menopause Over Martini's website, Facebook page and community through the links in the show notes. So welcome to the podcast, Sarah Connor. I am truly, truly excited and a little bit honoured and girl fanning that you're here um, to celebrate World Menopause Day. This is a special release for us to share um, your story and sort of how I came to stalk you. So let me tell you <laughs> how that happened. When I landed in New Zealand and I was in MIQ, I've, I've shared a little bit of this before, um, I kind of Googled... Uh, menopause and because I was now in New Zealand geographically my laptop picked up um, and so coming to the top of the page was a couple of things around menopause of which there was um, Jeanette Coey Perkinson who I interviewed last week and then of course your website which was menopause over martinis and I just went oh hey that sounds like my people <laughs> and I started emailing and reaching out to you and you know you were in a really busy time and I was thinking probably a thousand people are doing exactly the same thing they're contacting you like what the heck I want to be a part of this how does this work and um and I was just kind of bummed that I didn't get to meet you while I was living in Wellington yeah because I was there for like four months before I moved to Mount Monganui and so it just it's just one of those things and now here we are here we are on the podcast amazing thank you yeah, so tell us about yourself, Sarah. Like, you know, we're both in this space where we're exploring and helping women understand what's happening to their bodies. So, you know, how did you come to be in here? Well, by accident, really. <laughs> I've become an accidental advocate for something I knew nothing about. And now I, feel like I know something about, other people know heaps about. Um, so, two and a half years ago now, I yeah. crash landed in perimenopause without knowing what that meant. Um, in fact, I didn't know much about menopause either. I thought that it was something that happened to women over 50 and their periods, uh, they got a bit hot and their periods stopped and then life would just continue. I really just had no idea. So the word perimenopause was a word that I just had to get my head around um, quite quickly. And so just out of the blue, I started having all kinds of symptoms, which weren't typical for me at all. Um, I started out by feeling quite faint and... Um, kind of yeah and odd odd waves of anxiety and a really low mood to the point of I sort of just got up one morning and felt completely felt nothing it was really strange and um I was starting to sleep or not sleep well so having been the world's best sleeper my whole life I started waking at odd hours in the night not getting back to sleep or not being able to go to sleep at night so just a whole um, raft of things which were completely uh just yeah came at me um, without knowing what they were yeah. And so after going down quite a lot of rabbit holes and seeing my GP multiple times, so it was really great. Um, um, but in the end, I saw the uh, menopause clinic in Wellington and worked out, you know, that perimenopause was a thing and that it was completely normal and that I wasn't the first person to feel like I'd been hit by a bus. And uh, so 
with the help of my menopause specialist, I started HRT, which um, totally changed things for me. Um, but I also know that that's not the answer for everybody and not everyone can can be on HRT. So um, I do really understand that. And yeah, a few months after feeling well again and sort of climbing out of this really strange um, feeling of just not feeling well or not like myself, I thought, well, it's really time to have dinner and just celebrate feeling great again and feeling you know, like my old self. And so, um, yeah, organized this dinner party at my house and for seven friends and family of all different ages. So early forties with, you know, they didn't know about perimenopause either and don't have any symptoms yet, but they were keen to come and learn. And then, uh, older friends and family who are in their sixties and seventies who, you know, the wise woman who could share what they, um, had with us and yeah, a bunch of us kind of in our late forties, early fifties, I guess, with varying symptoms. And I discovered um, Death Over Dinner, which is, um, it's a website and it's an idea that people get together and talk about death and dying, which sounds quite morbid, but it's actually <laughs> another, it's another taboo that we don't um, typically yeah. talk about. So For I've sure. been to a Death Over Dinner um, mm -hmm. at a friend's place and then my partner and I had hosted one. And I thought, wow, there's something in this idea of us not talking about certain subjects and how we should be talking about them and it should be fun and it should be easy and ideally over food and coming together. So I thought, well, yeah, I'm just going to call this dinner menopause over martinis and um, have a bit of fun and get some friends together and share what we know and share what we don't know as well, because everyone's, we all had so many questions and it was just a really fun night and a really meaningful night we all learned heaps of stuff and just yeah I just thought well that's a that's a great way to spend a Saturday night and didn't give it much thought after that just went away and you know got on with my life and then other friends started saying well when are you having the next dinner <laughs> I hadn't planned and I said well I wasn't really planning on that but I guess I could host another one and you know a few more people could come so I hosted the second dinner and then after that dinner more people said you know, really the next one. So I had a third dinner. And then at that dinner, it was quite near coming up to World Menopause Day last year. And a friend said, oh, this has, this could be a thing. This is something that everybody could do. It's really easy. It's at home. It's potluck. No one has to spend heaps of time cooking. It's just yeah. a good way to get together and learn some stuff and have some fun. So I kind of, yeah, put my, um, yeah, creative uh, hat on and combined my skills of being able knowing about building websites and writing content and design and all those things together and built the website menopauseovermartinis.org and it meant that other people could access the invitation they could access facts and articles and just basic things that I wish I'd known um you know when I was well I wish I'd grown up knowing actually but yeah. uh, things that people could then suddenly just go okay I get this thing it's a period of time, it's a normal stage of life, it's, you know, it's going to pass. Um, and there are lots of great things that you can do to help you through if you need it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I really love about what you've done, Sarah, and obviously I didn't get to go to the big community event that you held oh, in yes. Wellington. And I was yes. like obsessively following <laughs> and watching all the posts and like feeling like, oh, I'm missing out. Um, but I just really love that you've created that forum and that opportunity for women to come together. Like they're out there alone. They stumbled, like us, stumbled yeah. into perimenopause, never even heard of the word. And then 
now there's so many other opportunities to connect with people as well and find out and compare just that ability to open up and compare oh did you have this and how's that going for you and I know a good GP and you know it's really really helping so many people and if we could talk about the big event that you had recently which was the menopause over martinis community event you had 60 women yeah how cool was that okay now i'm gonna feel even more you know fomo so (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. well yeah it was an amazing thing i mean like i said i started the dinner for for me and a few friends and family (laughs) and it then evolved to some more friends joining me um so yeah it's pretty rewarding to think that other people have hosted dinners and now now the event can actually be upscaled and actually involve a whole community of people who wouldn't normally come together. So, you know, people came, it was in a suburb in Wellington, Hitaito, which is where I live. People came from the Kapiti Coast, they came from the Hutt Valley, they came from, you know, all over all over Wellington. Um, some people came on their own, some people brought four friends, um, all ages from, you know, early 40s with no idea about perimenopause, no symptoms, not really impacting them yet right through to people in their 70s who have been there and done that and you know we're just pleased to be involved so it was just a really nice um coming together of yeah people for a really good cause and to learn about stuff and also have some fun and meet some yeah. new people and yeah. yeah like you said not to feel alone and to feel supported because um, yeah. i think when i think about other stages of our lives you know we learn about puberty growing up through our friends and maybe through um, our education system or our family or older siblings or um, you know it's just kind of puberty is just a thing that we grow up knowing about and then if someone's pregnant they might see their GP or they might have a midwife or an obstetrician or you know they have there's a network of people that we just in a path that we know to take um, and multiple apps and websites yeah, and, and all of those yeah. things. like there's just this yeah. whole network of support and understanding and people are you know able to talk about it and excited about talking about it and it's, it just seems to be an easy thing and then you know the opposite of puberty so perimenopause or menopause there's just nothing there's nowhere that i can think of that i could go where i could other than a gp or a health professional um or a health practitioner that i could go to be with other people either going through the same thing or older than me to to learn and feel supported so it's just a massive gap huge gap and I guess until we have an education system that is teaching our tamariki our children about this until we have a health system that is actively promoting the basic facts of what menopause is you know and GP practices on notice boards or letters that we might receive from GPs to say hey you know you're coming up to a period of your life you might need to know about these things yeah um, until we have all those things in place i kind of feel like menopause over martinis and other things that people are doing in their communities uh that's yeah it's filling a gap yeah yeah so no, i think I agree like the whole idea really to be yeah. redundant i think if we if, if all those other things were in place and it was just considered a normal inevitable stage of life that we could talk about and understand we wouldn't need to be you know organizing these things but I'm going to have some fun doing that while. But it's fun anyway, right? Yeah. I mean, the podcast for me is like just getting to have a conversation with someone. I learn so much. And whether we're in the same stage, you know, and going through the same things or not, I'm still learning from their experience. And I think that's that's the coolest thing. And like you mentioned about puberty, I have a, you know, 16-year-old. And she now knows everything about menopause. And that's from me constantly talking about it. But then she also 
has hooked her friend's mums into listening to the podcast and now they know about it. Yeah. Um, so I think that's just us just trying to, you know, just trying to help, I guess, right? Yeah. 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 Um, what do you wish that you'd known about perimenopause before you kind of woke up and went, what the fuck, what the heck is <laughs> going on? Firstly, I wish that I um, had some understanding of, well, that it was going to happen, that it was inevitable, that there was no getting around it. <laughs> I, know that, I know that some people sail through and don't, you know, aren't affected at all, which is totally great. Um, but I wish I'd known just that it was was going to happen, um, and that it's not just about hot flushes and your period stopping. Yeah. It's thirty to forty symptoms that can affect you, you know, in so many different ways: physically, emotionally, mentally, you know, all of those things. So I just wish I'd known the basics that yes, it was a normal stage of life, and this is what it could look like, and this is what you can do and where you can go and who you can talk to uh, if you do need support. Yeah, so those are the things. I wanted the basic information, and I wanted to know what to do, um, you know, if it if it didn't work out so well. Yeah. Yeah. But unfortunately, yeah. it took me a few months to, I mean, for other people, it takes years, actually. So in a way, a few months is not, it's not so long. Um, but it was a yeah tricky few months to think of what it could be what did it mean you know was I going to be like that feeling like this forever um yeah yeah no I agree I, I understand what you're saying because I think it took me maybe 18 months to figure out that I actually had something that was called perimenopause mm. and they were the 18 months like while there was the physical symptoms which I managed to tweak quite quickly actually because I've just went okay it's sleep I need to focus on sleep and the lack of you know the changing hormone levels in my body so if i just get on top of sleep and i became so obsessive with sleep that within six months i managed to kind of decrease a lot of the physical symptoms but the thing that kept me kind of really going with this whole journey was how it affected my mind mm. you know like really when I think about it, I even get a bit teary. I feel really upset that I didn't know enough about the hormone changes and how it was affecting the way I was thinking and feeling about myself in my work environment, my relationships with my friends, my relationship with my husband. Like there was so many kind of negative aspects to what was happening with my brain that if someone had told me that, I would have been so eternally grateful that I wouldn't have wasted two years of psychotic episodes and yelling and ranting and starting arguments and doubting myself and these things that I think can spiral down to a really bad place, you know? Oh, absolutely they can. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, um, yeah, there was a, there was one time when I actually just couldn't make it to my GP because I hadn't had enough sleep for enough nights. So I was just in a really, just really bad, bad space. And I remember just thinking, well, if this was going to happen regularly, like that's so not my usual way, um, what would that look like for somebody if they got up every day and felt like that? I was really lucky to have the support of my GP, my partner, my children were amazing understanding, my parents-in-law, my own family. You know, I had a huge um, number of friends who were around, but yeah, it did make me think at that moment, well, if you didn't have that support network, if you didn't actually know where to go, yeah, I don't really like to think too much about, yeah, what, what that might have looked like. Yeah. Yeah. Getting back to menopause over martinis. So, like, I'm hoping to be in Wellington <laughs> towards the end of the year. Yeah. What's the, what's the course for menopause over martinis now? Like, what are you hoping to 
to do with it. I think in some ways it's kind of taken a bit of a life of its own with everyone that's connected through the website and whether they've been to a live event or not. Like, yeah. where do you see this going? Like, what's your well, hopes for it? Yeah, I mean, I would love um, people to just be hosting their own own dinners at home all over New Zealand, all over the world. I just think yeah. uh, if someone... Uh, yeah, needs the information and they want to get that information from different people in a personal and fun way and a really positive social way, uh, COVID allowing. It could be done virtually, but, you know, in real life is ideal. Mm. Um, I just think it's an easy, fun thing to do. So I would love more people to be hosting uh, or attending dinners at home. Uh, I would also love more communities to get on board and organise events. You know, ours was at our local bowling club. Um, but there are lots of community halls that could, that could be hosted in a school hall. It could be, you know, anywhere where a community can come together. So I'd love to see that happen more. Um, and yeah, I mean, I can't be, I can't host dinners every Saturday night. Um, so I kind of want other people to, <laughs> to, um, to, to do that. Yeah. For themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you and, know, I reached out to you pretty early on and said, oh, I want to do one in Mount Monganui. Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> well, I'm going to, but you yeah. know, the issue is that I've been waiting, kind of squatting in this house, waiting for my furniture to show up from Malaysia. Oh, I yeah. think I might have mentioned that to you. Still don't have it. It's due in two weeks. So, yay. As soon as the furniture's in place, I feel like, okay, now I can, like, have people sit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I also. <laughs> Not on the floor. Um, yeah, I also think that people could. You know, take a picnic to a park. Like it's not like you yeah. need, uh, and you don't even need to have martinis. I mean, I chose yeah. the name martinis just because it sounded fun and celebratory, and I love the shape of the glasses, and it just sounds a bit kind of cool. Yeah, but you could take a picnic to a park. I mean, you could put your picnic right down in your living room without furniture. That would also be totally fine. Yeah. It was really just an idea to get to get some attention and to get people excited. So I'm open to people um, turning it into whatever whatever shape and form world menopause day is an important milestone it's a worldwide wake-up call for all and not just women to understand and embrace the changes in midlife have the conversations do the research and make steps towards the next amazing years of your life Neither Sarah or I see the menopause transition as doom or gloom, and in our own unique ways, we aim to empower all women to prepare, understand, empathise, and step into your power. Yeah. I guess the other thing I'm wanting it to do is just raise awareness generally. I mean, yeah. yes, I want people to have come together and talk about it and have more dinners, but I also just generally want it to create some awareness around the fact that not enough people know about the stage of life and not enough people are supported through it. So it's a it's a way to activate a conversation and activate some change, which is which needs to come from a um, another level through our Ministry of Education, our Ministry of Health, you know, all the different all the different people and organizations that play a part in in supporting women, either at home, at work or in the community. Yeah. yeah. And you can see how that's accelerating in the UK, right? with the Newson Health Clinic, uh, Dr. Mm -hmm. Louise Newson, Dr. Rebecca Lewis, um, and the billboards <laughs> that have gone up in exactly. the UK. I mean, I yeah. still find it amazing that at 40, I think I was 46, um, 
I mean, I've been a really well, healthy kind of person, but I've still sat in the reception of various GP practices, reading notices and, and articles and posters for all kinds of things, you know, hepatitis C, um, mammograms, um, impotency, the flu vaccine, you know, it just goes on and on as to how many messages I've actually received about a whole lot of things that I may or may not need to know anything about. But in 46 years, I'd never seen a single poster that said perimenopause or menopause, you know, um, this is a normal stage of life that can affect people in different ways. Um, no two people are the same, but here are some potential system symptoms. Um, talk to a GP if you need to. Like, yeah. you know, it's not, we don't need billboards necessarily. We just need an A4 on a court board um, is, is one, one thing on top of all the other things that need to happen as well. But yeah, it just, it's still just, I find it amazing that, um, that we're made aware and receiving so many messages about so many things that we are useful to know about potentially. Yeah. But this is one thing that we will go through in our lives. And yeah, I haven't been informed about it. Yeah, anymore. and the other thing is that we're advocating for ourselves. So we're going to GPs and we're actually saying, hey, so I've got all these things that align with perimenopause <laughs> and the doctors are like, what? <laughs> no maybe yeah. maybe it's this and maybe it's that like they're actually kind of talking I, I still actually had a conversation just this morning with my sister who had an appointment with her GP she's happy for me to share um, she has an anti autoimmune uh, disorder so it is quite tricky for her to manage um, and she said she had to advocate for herself yeah. why she was looking at um, things that need to change because um, she's managing certain kinds of medications and she knows she's perimenopausal She's yeah. perimenopausal because she she's listened and she has now the research and the resources to help her prepare, right? Because she's hmm. a bit younger than me. Yeah. Um, but she said, yeah, even this morning, you know, having to advocate for herself around what she was experiencing and what she knows is coming. And that was really cool. I mean, I think that's one of the things where you go, okay, we're making a difference because someone is saying to their doctor, I know that this is coming. I'm not there yet. How are we going to manage it or what's the way through to, mm. you know, support me? Um, so yeah, that's, that's still the, probably one of the biggest challenges for women that they start to tune into podcasts, go to websites, find out, okay, that's me. And then go to their doctors and just kind of get the pushback. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, lots of GPs yeah. are doing a fantastic job. Um, yeah. There's no doubt about it. And some are super supportive and really knowledgeable and totally up with the latest research and, Others just need some better training, some upskilling, and and yeah, a bit more empathy around actually what what people might be experiencing and how they can help, or at least refer them to somebody who can help, even if they're not the right GP. Yeah. All that. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like you're saying; it's like once it gets to that level where it's a well talked about, well documented, educated in med, med schools and at schools. Yeah. Um, once it gets to that level where it just becomes like the normal thing, then then sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was really yeah. excited the other day because I got a text from someone who came to the first or second dinner I hosted and she wasn't perimenopausal at the time of the dinner. So she was just there to learn what she could because um, she knew that at some point it would be useful to know and she's got sisters and you know other people in her life that she wanted to understand. And she texted the other day just, just to say that she's so excited because she thinks she might be perimenopausal <laughs> and she um, had missed a period or, you know, her period was late. And 
instead of thinking, oh my goodness, I'm pregnant, she thought, oh my goodness, I could be perimenopausal and that's cool because she's feeling prepared and like, it's not just a negative thing because we, yeah, and whenever, wherever I am, talk about the great positives as well. Yeah, Getting your energy back and feeling like you can take on the world and, you know, not having periods anymore can also be a great thing. And so it was just so great that she, um, you know, gave me that feedback that it actually was really empowering for her to have that information before she even got started. And then when she did get the first sign, instead of thinking the worst, she thought, oh, great, I know what that is. It's probably a normal thing. I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. Well, that was the question I was going to ask you. You mentioned that you had women who came to the dinners that were not perimenopausal or early 40s, maybe yeah. not experiencing any symptoms. Yeah. And what was their take on it? You know, like, and now you've just, you know, given me the feedback that that understanding of what it actually is and not to be, you know, overwhelmed <laughs> that yeah. it's all good. It's all it's all going to work its way out and you have the support. We have the understanding. We have the knowledge. Yeah, um, so um, the younger, my younger friends who came to the dinners or younger friends I've spoken to are just really grateful to have some understanding. I mean, I didn't want to, there's always a risk when you share information about something that someone else hasn't experienced that you can just freak people out and they go, yeah. oh my goodness, you know, it's like talking about childbirth or something before you've had a baby. It's just not, often not helpful. Um, but also you need a certain amount, otherwise you don't know what is coming. So it's always that balance of, sharing enough information to be useful without over overwhelming people, which, um, yeah, that can be a tricky thing to get right, especially when you're really enthusiastic about something like I am. But my younger <laughs> friends basically said um, that knowledge is power and to have the knowledge in advance is really useful. And they, yeah, they're just feeling like it's, it's a good thing to know about beforehand, but also not even just for them. They're working often with older women who might be at a different stage from where they're at or... It's also given people an appreciation of what their mothers might have experienced and never talked about, or their grandparent, you know, grandmothers or other people yeah. in their lives where they go, oh, wow, yeah, there was that period of like that period of somebody's life where they kind of go, oh, there was something going on there and they couldn't put their finger on it. But it all adds up once you actually understand what someone might have been going through yeah. in their 40s or 50s, yeah, or 60s. What, what did you know about menopause from your mum? Because I have, I now have little sort of a recollections of a few little bits and pieces but never spoke about it but um yeah what was your experience so i knew absolutely nothing um from my mum that wasn't something that was talked about but having said that periods weren't really talked about either and yeah. menstruation um and puberty okay. so my experience around that kind of stuff growing up as a teenager was just an a5 booklet appeared on my bedside table one night and it was i think probably published by the ministry of health or like a <laughs> that kind of thing maybe the gp practice i don't know where it came from but i can still see the cover very 1980s and it was it said something like um you know your body is changing or some changes you can expect or something like that and then you know it was all about menstruation and what what that was about and about you know all the things that you needed to know and then yeah it was kind of the next day was mum asked i think have you got any questions about that you know, like, <laughs> yeah. And I was thinking, well, I'm already talking about it with my friends, so um, no, thanks. Anyway, um, but that was just the time. It's not like mm. her fault. It was just the way that it was a completely hidden, undiscussed kind of topic. Yeah. So I wasn't unlike today, where yeah. I know about it every single time, and yeah. I get like the breakdown details. <laughs> 
actually yeah. it's not just me it's like everyone who happens to be sitting there at the time <laughs> yeah yeah so it wasn't a great surprise I guess to think yeah. that menopause wouldn't be talked about either but no my my idea was just that um maybe mum got a bit hot every now and again and you know would throw off her cardigan and say is it hot is it is it hot in here or is it just me that kind of thing yeah but I never equated that with fluctuating hormones or a stage of life or I just thought oh it's hot she's cooking a roast and you know it's hot in here on a summer's day or whatever yeah. just didn't didn't um line those things up at all so yeah I didn't know anything about that in fact didn't know about it from my friends mothers my aunts my you know cousins people I've had a lot of women in my life of all kinds of ages and it's just been invisible yeah yeah I agree yeah. with you the same situation I've got quite a big family um lots of aunts um yeah, lots of cousins, and nobody has ever spoken about it. And I think I'm probably the first one to crack it open. Yeah, good on you. And now they're kind of like, oh, <laughs> you're talking about that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, like no one else is. So what I remember about my mum is, and she didn't say menopause, but there were a couple of things. The, the, the sweating in the kitchen, you know, like mm. when it wasn't really a problem before. Um, and she was put on this yam gel on her hair, on her arms. And I'd be like, oh, what's that for? And she goes, oh, just my hormones, you know, but never the word menopause. And I, I was probably visiting, I would have been early thirties maybe, and just didn't take the conversation anywhere else with her. Like that's my fault. I was pretty self-absorbed in <laughs> that time of my life. Um, you know, just putting this yam thing on. And then, um, I remember her distinctly. She had to write everything down like it was like she couldn't remember anything and she just had these notes all around the kitchen these sticky notes of you know and i thought it was just the grocery list but it wasn't it was like when the guy was going to come and change something in the house or when so and so was going to pick up a letter or a document like everything was written down and i just thought oh is that my mum just can't remember anything? But I never ever thought that that could be linked to the brain fog, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I spend quite a lot of time walking between upstairs and downstairs in our house. <laughs> yeah. Going to the bottom of the stairs and going, what was it that uh, I needed? And thinking, wow, my mum does that all the time. And, you know, she's 80 something now, but I'm 40 something. So it's a bit different. Different, yeah. but the same. Having this conversation with Sarah and comparing notes has been such an honour and incredibly therapeutic. We know that we are not alone and that there are so many women who have had experiences like us. The not knowing, then the research, and now the desire to normalise the menopause conversation. As we wrap up our interview, don't forget to click on the show notes to find the Menopause Over Martinis community. One thing I was just going to say is that World Menopause Day is obviously coming up or yeah. today, if it's the 18th of October. Um, and I just I just want to say that there are things that we can all do, I think, to change the way that menopause is seen. So um, things like just saying the words out loud, like just saying perimenopause and menopause, like this is my challenge to people, just don't pretend that those words don't exist, actually get them in the world and teach our kids those words as well so that at least yeah. people know what to how to describe something or how to look into something further which books to look up at the library like it's hard unless we have words to know where to start and and where to go next yeah. so 
yeah those things and thinking about how you can support other people either people you know in your life at home or in your community but also at work yeah even if you're not experiencing it yourself but if you can just look out for people yeah well yeah. let's see how well, let's revisit this in a year's time you know another world menopause day and let's just see like just kind of take note mental note of you know how much the word and the understanding is getting out there i think it'll be i'm excited i i think that's one of the things i'm really optimistic about about this third stage of life is like i think it's really positive and i yeah, think absolutely. things are heading in the right direction and of yeah. course there's so many upsides <laughs> yeah <laughs> right very... like the, the no periods thing but just the no bs and all that stuff is really cool <laughs> yeah, i think it just it needs to be embraced as um yeah. as a yeah a new a new phase of life i mean with it comes there are some ups and downs but there were ups and downs to puberty and other stages of life as well so yeah yeah it's all good in the end it's all good in the end thank yeah. you so much sarah you're welcome <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this episode of Sexy Aging. Every episode leaves me feeling more educated and inspired. If there is a topic that you would like to hear about or a person you believe would make a great guest for Sexy Aging, then drop me an email, tracy, T-R-A-C-Y, at sexyaging.com or direct message to the Sexy Aging Instagram or Facebook accounts.